You are listening to Rags to Resale, the podcast for career resellers or anyone who wants to amp up their online resale business the right way. Here are your Posh Pro experts, Megan Morris and Gemma Pascotti. All right, everybody, welcome to Rags to Resale, episode two. I'm a substitute this week for Gemma Piscotti, who's feeling under the weather. Happy to do it with my wife, the resident genius resale expert, Posh Pro Project's own oh, <laughs> Megan Morris. And uh, Hi, Megan, guys. How are you feeling today? Feeling like talking? You got to share some wisdom? I, I am ready to go, as always. I am never one to be short of words. <laughs> that I can attest to, everyone, uh, and particularly when it comes to resale. And we talk about this stuff all the time, every aspect of it, you can imagine. But we thought we'd talk today about something that pretty much everybody who does resale shares. And that is that sort of treasure hunt, passion, sort of like addiction almost. Right, right. To, to finding something really cheap and flipping it and making it into something of value, right? And I know that started with you when you were a little kid, when your dad would drag you to garage sales or something, right? I mean, he didn't drag me. I loved it. We went every weekend to garage sales or flea markets and I got to pick things, you know, I got to pick a few toys or whatever. And he would look for records and, you know, we just, we would treasure hunt and we just loved it. And it was my time with my dad. And, um, that started my sort of love of finding things and flipping them for a profit. And we did that. Sometimes we would go to a flip flea market and I would find something and then we would um we would rent a table at the same flea market sometimes and I would you know up the price a little bit from the things I bought and make money and it just was thrilling and um he was trying to teach me the value of things and how they can be repaired and not put into you know landfills and the value of a dollar and it was a great lesson so as a husband, I can bring a new perspective to this and a unique appreciation of your father because you love to shop, right? And I hear stories from other people whose wives or husbands love to shop too, but they want to shop at the Gucci store. Or they want to shop at the high-end places. Right, and while you regular Macy's, the mall, you know, regular normal priced items. Um, I have always attested and I will continue to this day that you are very, very lucky. Sir, <laughs> you don't have to tell me that you don't have a clothing budget you still complain about my shopping <laughs> i just complain because you're not here all the time honey oh you're that's such bullshit <laughs> anyway we're well, also yeah. have an expert we're going to dig deeper into this and this sort of almost addiction that it feels like that that uh what is a dopamine that goes into your brain right when you like you, yeah. you know you can sell it for a hundred yeah, yeah. That, isn't that what it, kind of what it's all about for you oh yeah it's it's I get a I get hot I get excited <laughs> I have like an adrenaline rush and especially when I see something it happened today you you were annoyed as usual that I was going shopping I went to the community thrift it was 50% off day and they had a Cuba leather black bag there for $4.95. They missed the brand. And that is a $200 purse. So I, in my brain said, oh, we should just leave now. Let's just leave now. We've got it. We got the thing. Did you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have yeah. three bags in the car. Uh, three? All right. I hope they're 
they're all full of things that we can sell for lots and lots of money because yeah. that's really what this is all about and that's what she does and i know another guy one of our favorite people in the world the godfather to our first daughter who knows a lot about this too the greek freak from chicago his name is bobby v he is a resale expert on a passionate guy bringing value finding value and sharing it right bobby you there right you're um we were just waxing nostalgic about finding finding treasures and flipping them yeah yeah as we were talking about earlier it just seems that people are just throwing things out that in the past they used to fix so you could go down almost any alley we have alleys here in chicago that you just drive down you see things and it'll say gee that looks nice what's wrong with that and you look at it maybe you bring it home and if you have you know you know just some mechanical knowledge you could put something back back to work and it's not going into a landfill it's not being destroyed and in the end you could put it on facebook marketplace or ebay or craigslist and you know be surprised sometimes at what you find and what you get for it it's pretty right. amazing and just uh tim you know there used to be corner repair shops for everything now there's none of that and and it's just we've become a disposable society where people just find it's easier just to throw things out and buy something new when what they're throwing out is still good. It just needs something repaired. And uh, I always find your love of this so interesting, Rob, because, you know, I started really digging deep into eBay out of necessity. You know, I, I had the kids and I wanted to get, you know, really expensive things for them, but I, we were on a budget. So I would find those expensive things at thrift shops and then I would buy the other things to sell. And I was, you know, showing Tim, look, I, I didn't spend any money on this whole crib set because I got this and now it's free. And it was my way of sort of upgrading everything in my house. I, I found things in thrift shops. Whereas you, you know, you've been in TV for years. You, you, you have plenty of money. I, I think your, your love of you, you hate seeing things go to landfills. You actually, you're, you, it really irritates you, right? Well, th that and, and why not? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't feel, you know, every day is a new day and it's not like I feel like, you know, oh, I don't need that. I could ignore that. I mean, I still value things that I see. I think it was the way I was raised and yeah. you see everything that has a sense of, you know, there's a value to it. And if I'm going to go to the effort to fix it, then I'll say, okay, why don't I put it up and see? And and what I do encounter is people saying, well, that was really fairly priced. You are, 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 are selling things at a fair price. And I feel like if I find something, which is zero, I put a little effort into it. You know, I, I do the effort part of it more for bringing something back to life. There's a sense of satisfaction for me to do that. Yeah. You know, oh, I fixed this. I made it work again. I put it back into service. I mean, there's a real sense of vocational satisfaction there. I went yeah. to a vocational high school. We learned how to fix things, electrical or wood shop or cars or whatever it might be. And so I incorporate that into my daily life. You know, when somebody when something breaks, I don't sit there and think about throwing it out. I think, how do I fix this? I used to fix my mom's old vacuum cleaner. So when I see a vacuum cleaner, I'll say, wow, what's wrong with this? I found two Dysons in, uh, in the alley that are $400 machines that were clog filters, 
uh, rotors that didn't spin because they were too hairy. And so you put some gloves on, you clean it outside, you put a mask on, you empty it out, you bleach it. And next thing you know, you've got a machine that's brand new. I mean, works like brand new and you spent nothing for it except your effort. And if you get something out of that effort, I mean, then, you know, it's, it's a real good value. It, it gives that? you that satisfaction. It, um, really, it really does. Yeah, it really does. And so, and then, how and much then did you know, get the Dysons for, what are you, what are you putting that? What would you put those up for? What did you put those oh, up? For? Uh, 300 was one. It was a real expensive one. It was uh, some sort of high end draw pet kind of Dyson and that got $300. I mean, yeah, it was, it was messy. And so if you're willing to go through that, uh, you know, and, and hold your nose. And like I say, do it outside, do it with gloves. Yeah. You bring it back to life and it's, it's like, okay, I got 300 bucks for maybe an hour's work and the effort of picking it up and putting it in. I mean, I guess when you get past that initial, I don't want to say shame, but you know, you just don't want to be like picking stuff up. But I mean, people are throwing really good things out because they just don't want to deal with, them, you yeah. know, Bob, talk about this, where you sell them. So you're using face, Facebook Marketplace, right? Or what's the process? I mean, is there is there a key the way you list it to make it more valuable? Or talk about that process a little bit. Well, well, Tim, I, you know, I mean, I, I know how to take a good photograph. I know how to make something look good. I mean, it, it, it's an honest representation, but it's not shot with other stuff in the background. It's clean. Uh, you know, you even if you do it in, uh, well, you put a sheet up or something that just isolates that item, take a good picture, take many pictures, give people all the possibilities of, you know, the angles that they would look at, measure it, give them accurate measurements, offer to say, hey, is there anything else you want to see? Let me know. I'll take more pictures for you. And then and then just give a really good write-up and kind of make it, I don't know, you could dress it up a little bit, you know, uh, you know, this will look great in your home or this, you know, kind of give them a hint where you could use it, you know, uh, yeah. I found a table in the alley and I said, this would make a beautiful entryway table. And the guy that bought it is exactly what he used it for, you know? So you give them an idea of what, where it could go in their home. Uh, uh, yeah. So you just kind of, and, and then you pay attention to your, to your, to your, uh, you know, people that respond to your ad, you don't let it go for a long time without responding to them. You try to get back to them right away. You, you, you are um, uh, attentive to the things that they ask you for, you know, and all those things contribute to, to making you a good seller and encouraging the buyers to buy from you. Yeah. There's so, there's so many steps in the process, Megan, you know, and what you're doing, he's finding something in an alley and you're finding something in a store, which is obviously poshproproject.com goes into great depth and in all of the courses that you do on that. But it's basically the same thing, right? Maybe you're paying a dollar for something. You're not finding it on the ground, but talk about your process and that excitement you get. And then, you know, when, when something really hits like his Dyson's, when you see something, how do you make that into big money? Yeah, I, I agree 100%. You've got, you've got to make it uh, look pretty in your pictures. You need to have good lighting. You need to be descriptive. If there is a flaw, if there is a problem somewhere, you, especially the way Bob's, going about this, he's going to see these people in person, you know, so you're, it's not worth it to put, to, to hide a, a flaw, to hide a scratch on a table or to hide that because when they come, they're going to see it. 
and they're going to be standing facing you. So, you know, so it's really important to make sure you show all the flaws, price it accordingly, you know, price it low. Um, I do tend to check comps on and, and I know Bob does this too on eBay, you can check comps. So you go low to high, you search low to high, you find the things that are similar to yours or the same as yours. And you can undercut cut them even by a couple dollars because really what you've got people coming on to say eBay to search for something, they're going to do exactly the same thing. They're going to go low to high and they're going to take the lowest priced, nicest item. So if yours is nicer than that lowest price by a good bit, then you can go up a bit in pricing, but you're still going to win because you've got the best one for the best price. You know, and one thing I've, uh, I've done if if somebody isn't satisfied, Facebook Marketplace, uh, especially because it's around Chicago and I've got really good reviews uh, out of, I don't know, 60, I think uh, 50 have been five stars and, you know, the rest are four. And if somebody doesn't want something, I'll say no problem. So if it's Venmo or PayPal or, or whatever it is, they get their money back, you know, and uh, and if you know, I say, I'll come by and pick it up or whatever it is. I just, there's no point in arguing, you know, if somebody isn't happy, mm-hmm. just let them, you know, and the, yeah. the returns are very few, maybe three or four where somebody just, Hey, this wasn't as, as described it. Well, it was, maybe you just didn't see it that way, but I won't stand in their way. I won't sit there and argue with them and I'll just give them their money back. And, 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 and then the next person you'll say, well, how do I know this works? I said, well, look at my reviews. And if you see a bad one, then you know what I mean? So you just, you use that as, as your kind of calling card that, Hey, I'm honest with you and, and you're protected. You're not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to screw you out of something, you know, again, because it's not all about the money, it's more about, you know, putting something back into use that I think uh, for me, it's, I just want somebody to be happy and say, okay, I got a fair deal on a good item. That touched on something that I think is really important for Megan that you talk about all the time too, is basically you're running it's almost like a little business and you have to operate it ethically. You know what I mean? You can't like all of a sudden, particularly in online platforms where there's so much sharing of information, it's important that you don't try and screw somebody over or misrepresent something because the moment you do that, right. You know, whatever negative feedback you might get on the reviews on Facebook, every platform is a little different, but Megan, that's something you've always been really thought was important, right? Yeah. Well, your feedback is, is extremely important more so say on eBay, Poshmark is a little more uh, lenient about those things. But for me, I feel like returns is just part of the business. It's just, it's just part of doing business. There's lots of crazy people in, you know, on eBay and Poshmark and they're, they're out there too. They're shopping just like all the, you know, not crazy people. So you're going to run into those people and they're going to, you know, nitpick or they're going to, you know, try to get one over on you, or they're going to try to return something and say something's broken when it isn't, whatever, those things will happen occasionally. And it's just not worth my upsetment and energy in that day, like in the middle of a day to go, oh my God, this person is driving me crazy. It's not worth it. It's, you have too many other things going on, too many good things happening, too many good sales going on. And it's just, my feeling about returns is get it fixed and returned as quickly as possible and get it out of my list of things to do. That was hard earned over years though, because over years ago, I remember you really would get frustrated with those people and uh, you've gotten a lot better with that. It's a waste of energy. And Bob touched on something else, like the DIY component of it. I know you have a whole course on Posh Pro Project, right? 
because mm -hmm. I saw some of the stuff you did of basically taking something that somebody might see in a thrift store because it has some kind of a stain, like the one that threw, threw me off or blew me away was the oil. Like I thought once you got like olive oil and something, it was done. Talk about like how important it is to do DIY stuff. And what, you know, I know you're, you're an expert in that, like to make those things that seem like nothing into something super valuable. Well, my, my abilities uh, for DIY are quite different than Bob's. Bob's got a whole array of things that I, I mean, I, it would never occur to me to be able to repair a, a vacuum or, you know, he can fix cars and all that kind of stuff. I, or bikes, he's really good at all of that. My wheelhouse has been born out of necessity. You know, a, a lot of times for years, I would buy, 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 and then sell them and miss things and then have to repair in post in order to, because someone's paid me a bunch of money. So I was Googling constantly, like how to get oil out of things, how to repair something, seemingly impossible things. And I would find a, a way to fix something that had not been something I had ever known how to do before. So, you know, over the years, those, the best of those have stuck with me. And now when I'm, when I'm sourcing at a store, I can quickly assess if I'm going to be able to repair that or not. You know, I can tell, I know what a stain is. I know I can see why that person threw it out. You know, oil to most people is a non-starter. It's just trash. Well, it's not. Stain liquids have gotten better. I can get pen out. I can get marker out. I can, I can repair a lot of things. So, um, that is a huge value to me. You know, I can go somewhere and look at a ton of inventory and realize that uh, the seemingly impossible stain is, and it has been marked down because it looks horrible to the, even to the store is going to be super valuable after I'm done with it. And that's, that's huge. And that's what it's all about too. And as we touched on before, I think Bob, before you got on, like the thrill of finding something, the sort of dopamine rush that comes with finding something that's not worth much and then selling it for a lot. I mean, that's kind of what drives all of this, isn't it, Bob? Well, it's knowledge too, Tim. It's knowing when you see something, what it's worth. Uh, Schwinn bicycles were made in Chicago for years. Uh, and uh, people would just, you know, I'd see him on the back of these scrapper trucks and I'd stop guy and I'd say, Hey, how much for that bike? And he'd say, ah, $10. And I'd, you know, give him $10. Cause he wasn't going to get pennies on the dollar, you know, uh, you know, to scrap it. And then I would take it and Schwinn's knowing Chicago Schwinn's are indestructible. You can't, unless the frame is bent, the bike can be restored with very little effort. The bearings are good. Uh, they're, they're, they're strong, durable, they're heavy, but, uh, they've become like this cult thing around here, especially for younger people to have a Chicago made Schwinn. Well, I knew right away I could fix those things in an hour, like something that was on the back of a scrap truck ready to be crushed. I could sit there and say, Hey, I'll give you 10. And I used to have guys that would come by beep because they knew I wanted old Schwinn's. And I, I don't know how many I sold, 500 of them or something over the course of several years. And just knowing, you know, that they were easy bikes to fix, virtually indestructible, took very little effort to get back on the road. That was my knowledge that I used to my benefit, you know, and I would put on, you know, on Craigslist. Craigslist still continues to be great for bikes. I don't know why certain things Facebook has, has kind of replaced for day-to-day -day items. I mean... The thing about Facebook that it, it's unbelievable, if especially if you offer shipping, 
that it goes around the country and you hear responses from all over the place and the volume of eyeballs. I don't know how they market their stuff, but it's they really they really get it out there anyway. Uh, bicycles became kind of like the thing for me for a couple of years. And I just used to love putting bikes back on the street and I'd love, you know, tell me how it is. Tell me if you like it. You know, I mean, uh, I'd always follow up with somebody. Are you happy with it? I don't think out of all those bikes, maybe I got two or three people that in some way weren't happy, you know, and it gave me great satisfaction to fix it, but it was the knowledge. And if you know things, if there's a wheelhouse, like you say, Megan, something that you know, well, you know, that that you, you see, you immediately see the value in it where nobody else can, you know, or that, you know, you could bring it back to life and you could make it profitable. Uh, you know, it goes beyond the money. There is a, a great sense of satisfaction. There's a dopamine, like you say, uh, to say, you know what? Wow, this worked. Yeah. I mean, you ever, have you ever come across something? Um, and this has happened to me. And I think of my Siamese twin, uh, Siamese cats. I had these two Siamese cats. Um, they were statues. They, they were up on like a block and they had like a crackled China look to them. I paid eight bucks for them. Um, this was years ago. And I put them on eBay. I started the, and it was an auction, you know, obviously. And I started the bidding at like $29.99. And in hours, I could see that there was like, 55 watchers. I was like, that's weird. And there was already a bid. And then I start looking at what the, the bids were like the maximum bids were upwards of two, $300. I was like, what is going on? And then it started to bid up really fast. Like within six hours, I had it up to, you know, $280 and I had put them up as bookends and I didn't even know if they were bookends. They were just matching. Well, I ended up getting $624 for them. And it was just a complete and utter shock to me. I was expecting 30 something. I had no idea of the value of those. I just thought they were cool. I remember that. And they were kind of weird looking too. So it was yeah. like a super niche rare thing. But well, like well, that, well, that's the thing about eBay, which you have the protection of others who see the value yeah. bidding it up. If you go on Facebook and put something on there, you will know right away if something either you've underpriced it or was, high, you know, extremely popular or something that's, you know, you don't know all of it. You'll just see the activity. Yeah. And uh, Typically, I'll honor I'll honor what I have sold it for. But it does give me pause to say I might have really undervalued that, you know. Yeah. Because well, the last thing you want to do is pull something down and, you know, why'd you do that? I mean, you know, because that, you know, if something all of a sudden draws a lot of attention and you get so much interest, again, knowledge is, as you were talking about earlier, kind of doing a little research, see if somebody sold something similar. I mean, uh, I've shown you things and in the course of, you know, a couple of minutes, you say, oh, this was a comparable, it sold for this or that. I mean, that's the the beauty yeah. of the internet, obviously eBay's, uh, what is it? Their archive of things that were sold. Yeah. You, you, know, so you get a ballpark, you know, so, so do your research beforehand on what it is. If you don't have a knowledge, if you don't have a handle on what it is. So clearly you didn't know what those cats were really worth. You might've started at 200 and shot up from there. You know what I mean? And then, so, but uh, over the course of time, I knew what Schwinn's were valuable. I knew, 
you know, a varsity or a woman's three speed or whatever it was that, you know, that really resonated. I, I knew that, you know, come September and October, kids were going to come back to school and needed a bike to go between classes. Sometimes I'd hold bikes back until that time of year where Northwestern and University of Chicago, you know, and those kids just love these retro bikes, you know, and I, I wish I could put a tag on them and know how many places some of these old Schwins have gone <laughs> after I got rid of them because they are totally indestructible. I mean, when the world's exploded, there'll be cockroaches and Schwins because they, you just can't destroy them. And uh, anyway, uh, and let's I hope that doesn't happen. But the point is, uh, there's a real sense of satisfaction of knowing what you're selling. Are you getting the best price for it? You know, and uh, and again, over the course of time, you just know, you, you know, hey, if I'm going to put this up, I'm going to get this much interest. So then you price, you use those. I don't want to call them mistakes, but those things that you didn't have figured out price-wise early, the next time you might place them at a higher price. And right. you'll know by activity. You'll know by the way people respond to your stuff. That, yeah, uh, and it, it, it informs your negotiations too. I mean, I'm, I'm a very confident negotiator because I know my product. So, uh, you know, barring the Siamese cats, I, if, if I'm going into a negotiation with people, I... I know that I can let a buyer go with confidence usually, you know, and I talk about this in my courses all the time because uh, the newer sellers, especially on Poshmark, they get an offer and they, they just jump on it. And it's, it's such a mistake, you know, either you can counter, you can decline and there's better buyers out there that are going to give you the right price. And if you have confidence in your product, and the price that it sh you should get, you can move on from a buyer. You talk, uh, you touch both touch on something as important as brands and knowledge. This is kind of what we're we're talking about here. But um, Megan, I've seen you go into these stores. I know you talk about this in Shop for Success a lot, right? The brands to buy, and this is a, a evolving thing all the time because brands come in and out of style, and people like you can help people determine like what is hot when it's hot. Um, but like I see you go through the a rack at a thrift store, like like literally that fast. Look, just looking at labels, and then you stop, and then take one out, and then maybe do a little search or talk about that process. Like you got to know what brand you're looking for brands, right? And sometimes you see a really weird one, you go, "What is this?" And you got to look it up. But that brand knowledge is something that you you teach people and talk about how important that is. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it just comes with knowledge. I remember when I, I worked as a barista at Starbucks, the first day I was there, I thought, I am never going to learn all these drinks. It's impossible. Not only in a few weeks do you does your brain allow you to learn all the drinks, but you learn every person's drink that comes into the, to the building. So your brain can hold a lot of useless knowledge. Now, I can't remember what I did yesterday, but I know all the anthropology brands and there's like 250 of them. So, you know, it, I have over time, just through osmosis, and and it probably because of that dopamine, that that joy of the sale, you learn and remember what you've made the most money on, and it sticks with you, you know. And I just, I mean, there are lots of great brands that are expensive, you know. Ann Taylor Loft costs you one hundred and twenty dollars for a pair of dress pants, but I'm going to leave those those behind every single day because every 
store is jammed with them and they sell for zero dollars on on any of the sites you know it just it, people are looking for the brands that are harder to acquire pop quiz um by the way you look beautiful today megan and oh. i love you in blue uh, do you well, know thank you, thank you Tim. <laughs> uh, i wasn't talking to you Bob. uh do you know where you got that shirt that you're wearing this now yes no, no idea do you know what brand? I do know that purchased at a dollar type sale because it was purchased for me to wear. I did not buy this to sell. So she, you are really a living, walking, breathing a testament to what you do in your business because, and our kids, um, the amount of money that we spend uh, or lack of money that we have to spend on clothes because of your knowledge and expertise. So like when you teach these people how to do this stuff, not only is it a business, but um, it's also really helped us as a family. Oh yeah. I mean, I buy, I, I buy things. I not only did, do I purchase things for myself, you know, all the time I bought a couple things I liked today, but I have a really good sense of what the kids like. So I'll, you know, I'll pick up things for Maddie or I'll pick up something for Riley and all of that just, you know, I separate it out and that goes home and the rest of it goes to sell and that has for our entire, how long have we been married, Tim? 20, 24 and a half years. 20, almost 25 years um, has in, kept us from having any kind of a clothing budget. Like we don't have to budget for, for apparel and most of our household stuff too, you know, for the most part. But, um, you know, yeah. it just become part of what I do when I'm shopping. I also pull things for our family. I know you, you, you'll say on my way out the door, you'll say, I, I really, I I'm really short on short shirts or I, I need shorts now. And I just, I know your size. I bring home, you know, six pairs, you pick two of them, the rest of them either get sold or they go back to, to Goodwill or reset, you know, back into the stores, you know? So we, we are a living testament to the recycling of product. We do not throw away clothing. Yeah. Yeah. Bob, can you talk to that a little bit about how, you know, getting over the people that wouldn't think of wearing somebody else's old stuff, you know what I mean? That is well maintained and clean and all of that. Uh, it's so I mean, stupid. Have, it's, you it's so have you seen that change over the years, Megan? Yeah. I, and, and it's getting, it is getting better, but there are still people that go, Oh, I, I just can't, I can't wear clothes that someone else has worn. And, um, you know, it is hard when you go into an estate sale and it reeks of smoke, it, it's hard to get past. And I, I get that. I get that. But the truth of the matter is fast fashion is coming across in boats from China in crates full of rat poop and they shake that off. It's no cleaner and it is not quality and it will rip and tear and be destroyed on your body within days. So there is the the idea of spending four dollars on a shirt from Shein or H&M or one of those places and thinking that you have a brand new untouched clean thing. I promise you there were there were rats building nests in that sucker on the way over from China. So you're the fact that you think it's clean is ridiculous. You have a washing machine. You have a dryer. That'll clean it just as well. I mean, if you're not cleaning the stuff from from H&M, <laughs> That's that's stupid. You've got chemicals on there, all kinds of chemicals to keep the rats away from it, all kinds of, you know, it, it it's just as disgusting. And 
they're using child labor and they're making more clothing than they can possibly ever put into the world. And they're ruining the environment. They are the number two industry in the world, destroying our planet next to oil. So well, that's, that's a good point. It. I mean, I, I have grown to, you know, go to a Chinese restaurant and they'll bring, you know, takeout food. And they give you a, a plastic container that's every bit as good as any Tupperware you'll ever have, right? And right. what do you do? Well, you could throw it out after one use, or you could wash it, use it again, and have leftovers for if you're having a dinner party here, you'd give somebody of that with leftover. I mean, the whole idea is of repurposing and being a better, you know, uh, and all of this stuff has to do with just not throwing things away. You know, finding a way I, I to repurpose. I don't know what we've been thinking. The things that we've we threw away with abandon from the 50s to the 90s was absurd. I mean, we just we built mountains of landfills and didn't worry about it once. And now our kids are going to have to deal with it. So at a certain point, you got to start looking at this and they and and the reality is the resale shops, those clothes, those are the ones that are going to last. The reason that they're in the resale shops is because they outlasted their last owner. Right. You know, we're going to get to this. It's a the stigma that still exists, but do you feel it like peeling away a little bit and people yes. like you, that's part of your mission, right? Like exactly what you're just talking about. It's a quality thing. So what it's been hanging in somebody else's closet for 15 years. It barely got worn. It's a quality item, wash it, take care of it. And, and you've done so many good things for the environment, for yourself, for everybody. Right. Exactly. Right. There's no, there's no reason there's I can't, I can't think of a reason it's arrogance. That's what it is. They, people think that they deserve, you know, brand new and, and expensive and go for it. You go spend all the extra money you want on one little thing. I'll drag home six bags and, you know, clothe my entire family and beyond. Bob, let's, let's, as we wrap up here, I think we're getting a little long, but tell us um, one like, is there one gold moment for you? Is there one that stands out in your memory that's something you found like under a garbage can in an alley and uh, and turned it into a whole bunch of money or you were especially proud of it or, or it was especially unique? Well, in fact, and if she happens to stumble across this, the woman directly across the alley, I'm out there washing my car and I see her drag out a brass and uh, granite table. And it was a brass and granite table, all this ornate metal and all of that. And I, I thought, well, I'll wait until she goes inside and I'm going to go take a look at it. And, and, uh, it was heavy and there was some screws missing and make a long story short. I dragged it into the garage. I asked a friend of mine who knew of these things. Hey, Linda, what can you tell me about this? I sent her a picture. 10 minutes later, she comes back to me. She says, that's a $1,200 table. And she showed me the ad for the $1,200 table. And I said, okay. And so I went and sourced the screws and nuts and brought some of the ironwork together and polished it up. I got $350 for it. It took me maybe an hour worth of total work. And I thought, I know the guy that bought it was thrilled. He was thrilled. I got a fair price for it. And I felt a great sense of satisfaction. Now, should I go across the alley and say, hey, by the way, you threw this out. You want to, you know, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, she threw it out. So uh, I was lucky to be at the right place at the right time. I mean, it's it's so funny. 
Yeah, like we yeah. said before, what somebody just wants to get rid of. You know, people just, and I get it. I mean, we, we all maybe have too much stuff and people just, you know, I don't want to just get rid of this and they don't think about it. Yeah. But if you gave it some thought and put it back up and I don't know, you could, you could sell it and you could make some money. So maybe next time when you think about throwing something out, take a picture of it, go to Facebook, build a little account, see if somebody buys it. And maybe you could get hooked on it like we have on, 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 on selling these things and not just for the money, but for the sense of satisfaction that you're doing something right and putting something back to work. And it's just not going to be thrown out, you know? Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I appreciate that. I mean, it's, it's, that's what drives people to do this thing is uh, everybody's a little bit different, takes a little different take on it, but nobody knows more about this stuff than Megan and Bob. Obviously you bring a whole sort of a ni different niche and there are a lot of niches out there. We want to bring all those voices in to join the Posh Pro Project community. Megan, any final thoughts on, um, on all of this? I mean, it's, it's, it's what you do, man. It's you live it. We live it and breathe it every day. And um, it's a lot of fun and super profitable. <laughs> I just appreciate you coming on, Bob. I knew, I mean, the stuff that you've shown me over the years that you've been able to flip just on a whim has been fun to watch. And uh, maybe we could, uh, you know, just in post here, we'll have this up on YouTube as well. So maybe we'll put some of the pictures up. You can send me a few of your faves so that people can see exactly what you've accomplished over the years. But the fact that the primary goal here is, you know, of course, it's to make money, but it's it's there's so many good things that that it accomplishes as you go along that it there's really very few jobs and and businesses where you just feel like not only are you doing something good for yourself and for your family and you're making money but it's just everything from the whole circle of resale is just makes you feel good about what you're doing and um and i really always feel that from you because you know you don't need the money you just it's hard for you to pass up something that you know can be fixed and put back out into the world and i just appreciate that so much because if you really love resale you you can't love resale without feeling that that adrenaline rush you know you talking about those people having their schwins and, and the excitement of you know being able to ride that bike that is so rare you know you're you're providing a really cool service and it it feels good you can't help it yeah you and and i know we got to wrap it up here but nostalgia is a lot of uh what you know and i'll write about it you know i mean uh I'll, I'll like if a Schwinn is 50 years old or, you know, whatever it is to just try to trigger, like if somebody's, you know, 50 years old and I'll say, you know, if somebody's turning 50, give them this 50 year old Schwinn. And I've had people say, wow, what a great idea. And they bought it and gave it to their wife or their husband as a, as a gift on her 50th birthday, a 50 year old Schwinn, you know, that kind of thing, uh, nostalgia and what people remember. Uh, old sleds that people throw out, uh, little push fire trucks. You know, my brother found two of those. Each of them went for over $300 and they were thrown out in the alley. Somebody got tired of them in the house. The kids were no longer there. They were downsizing. They throw something out and it could have been picked up by a scrapper and gotten crushed or worse, the garbage. Well, either way, or the garbage and it gets crushed. And, and you find it you fix it up, you tighten some bolts, you do this and that, and you end up selling it and to have that sense of satisfaction that something's back into use. That goes beyond money for me. That's yeah. great, guys. Both of you guys articulate that so well. It's it's more than, this whole resale industry is more than 
just dollars and cents, you know, and there's a lot of value in it in so many regards and it served our family and our friends well, except when Bob calls us at six in the morning because he found something uh, and he can't wait to tell us that's the only downside. Oh, okay. Well, I'll try not downside. to do that. I'll wait till six. Th- I'll wait you till ignore six th- him. No, you ignore him. You <laughs> call me anytime you want. I, You know, I love hearing all that stuff. All right. Well, everybody can learn a way, way more about all this stuff on poshproproject.com where Megan Morris, the guru. Uh, sorry, Gemma, I'm replacing you this week. We'll see you again next week. Feel better, uh, Gemma. Feeling better. Bobby V, thanks so much. It was great having you. Thanks for watching. Thanks, Bobby. Rags you got it, guys. See you. Make it see you Thanks to Resale Podcast. See you Tips, live events, contests, celebrity appearances. Don't miss a moment. Follow Posh Pro Project on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube and check out our e-learning courses for resellers at poshproproject.com.